0: This is something that helped me. It will help you. And if you saw the title, I put five lessons that I learned that destroyed debt and brought us into the overflow, destroyed debt. There was a time Carolyn and I, after we got married, we were dealing with debt. We were, uh, under the load of credit card debt. And, um, you know, getting out of that mess. And um, these lessons that I'm going to share with you today took us out of that place of uh, not enough and into the place of far more than enough, far more than enough. And it has nothing to do with me. These are scriptural, biblical principles that will also destroy debt in your life and take you into the overflow. And uh, I said five, but the more I think about it, I I may give you more. So... Uh, So just just stick with me on this and write it down because it's going to help you immensely. Cody, tear open the Heavens hoodie. It's now available at MiracleWord.com. No, I'm kidding. Um, So let's jump into these. um, And I'm going to show you how to go from a place of not enough to far more than enough. The lessons that Carolyn and I learned, they'll help you as well as they've helped us. Um, And and I'm just going to put them in. Take notes as I'm going because I'm going to jump through these. I'm going to give you scriptures. I'm going to move. But I'm going to show you how you can stand in that place of uh, more than enough. (laughs) My cousin texted me last night and said my cousin was in debt to Blockbuster. I've always made that joke. I never actually was in debt to Blockbuster, but I always felt like that, you know, I kept the movies so much longer than my, my thing that when they went under, I was like it was a huge sigh of relief. It was like, I felt every time like I went in there, I felt like when I swiped my card, SWAT teams were going to swing in through the windows and point their, uh, point their guns at me. Anyway, let me give you these. It's probably going to be more than five, but I knew I had five to give you that helped us a ton, but things are going to come to me as I'm teaching this. I know they will. So just stick with me, put them in the comments, put them in your notes, and, uh, and get this in your spirit. Number one, people need to learn tithing at a young age. You know, I learned, I learned tithing when I was a boy, a little boy, as, as probably before I could do math, I knew how to tithe. And, um, one of the things that, one of the things that, uh, it sets people apart. Let me, let me just say this right off the bat. There are people who think that if they pay a tithe, uh, return the tithe to God, you know, that they've like done the church a service. Like there are people who really think and believe that if they pay their tithes, man, they are like next level. When really, in reality, tithing is the most base level uh, form of giving that you can engage in. It's the most base level. It's like it's like you know giving 101, and it's not even giving because the money's not yours. But tithing has to be something that is foundational in your life. It has to be. Uh, literally so automatic it has to be instinctive it it has to be something that's like i don't even think about that of course you know if somebody's like are you a tithe?" you'd be like of course i pay my tithes what are you insane of course i tithe of course i return 10 percent to the lord like he asked in his word um and so number one people need to be uh instinctive i think that's the best way to put it instinctive tithers Instinctive, meaning we don't even think about it. Like, like Anil said, like breathing. Absolutely. It's like, do you tithe? Absolutely. I tithe. You know, it's, it's like, of course, I'd be like if somebody asked you, if do you shower on a regular basis? Of course I shower. What are you a nut job? You know, it should be like that. Of course I tithe. You know, I'm, I am a Christian. So yes, I tithe. And so, and I know there's people even now that are against tithing. There are Christians and preachers that are against tithing tithing. And they think that, you know, only these prosperity preachers talk about tithing all the time. In fact, that's not true. I was very surprised to find a book that I picked up by the late R.C. Sproul, who was a reformed theologian. He was a reformed Calvinist. He was the farthest thing from a prosperity preacher that you can find. He hated the prosperity gospel and message and health and wealth. He hated that message, stood against it, taught against it, and uh, did not believe in any of that. He was not word of faith. He was not Pentecostal, far from it. He was reformed. He was a Calvinist and a cessationist. So, but I was reading in his book and um, someone, it's it's a question and answer book that he released called, Now That's a Good Question. And uh, I was interested because there was a section that was about economics or finance. And somebody asked the question that he answers in the book, um, uh, about tithing. Do you think tithing is for the new Testament church? And his answer, I was expecting him to say, no, in all honesty, uh, I was expecting, uh, R.C. Sproul to say no in his book. However, he said that, of course he believed that tithing continued on into the new testament era and into today new testament times he said for a few reasons number 1 there was never any command to stop tithing you know there was not the point he's making there was nothing that Jesus did on the cross that would have eliminated tithing just like there's nothing Jesus did that eliminated free will offerings we still give offerings to god nothing eliminated that uh, just like when Jesus died, it did not eliminate giving to the poor. We still give to the poor today. We still give offerings today. And he wrote in the same way, tithing would have continued on to the New Testament. And of course, we know that historically because Jesus affirmed it to the Pharisees. And then later in Hebrews, uh, whoever wrote Hebrews, most scholars believe that it was something Paul preached But Luke wrote it down in case as a little tidbit, in case you ever wondered, people say, nobody knows who wrote Hebrews, which is true. But, um, most people believe that Paul, it's something that Paul preached verbally and Luke heard it and wrote it down because the doctrine is Paul's, but the writing style seems to be Luke's. And so in Hebrews, we see that, uh, tithing was still going on at the time of this writing. Because uh, in, in Hebrews chapter 7, as the author is talking about the new priestly order, uh, it's very interesting. Because he says that those that are here, that are alive, receive tithes. But there, he, Jesus, receives them. And so, obviously, tithing had not stopped by this time. Tithing had not stopped in this New Testament era. It was still happening. And by the way... This, uh, this book of Hebrews is written to believers, not unbelievers, it's written to believers. And so it's not talking to just Jews who never came out of the law, it's talking to believers. And, uh, and so you start to realize something's up because they were still giving their tithes all those years after Jesus' resurrection. And R.C. Sproul said, of course, they were never commanded to stop. And they would have just continued right on with their disciplines unless someone had specifically told them not to do it anymore. And nobody did that. The only offering that we no longer give because of what Jesus did on the cross is the atonement offering. We don't have to sacrifice a bull, a goat, a lamb. Thank God we don't (laughs) anymore. But we don't have to do that because Jesus was the eternal lamb. His blood was shed for all eternity. His blood is an ever present sacrifice in the presence of God and no other, uh, sacrifices have to be given for sin anymore. Thank you, Jesus. But his death on the cross did not eliminate offerings. It did not eliminate blessing the poor and it did not eliminate tithing. And this has to be a foundational instinctive habit for every believer that we, uh, that we do as believers. It's not, we're not doing God any kind of a service. This is the baseline, but you'll never go beyond uh, tithing. uh, If you don't have that in place, you'll never become more mature in your giving. If this is not in place. Uh, I heard one preacher say, if you're not a tither, you'll always be a beggar, which I think is a great way to look at it because God views those who hold back the tithe as people who are robbing him. Taking from him. Robert asked the question, why do so many struggle? So, uh, scroll up one more time with that, basically he's asking with the health and wealth gospel. Why do, why do so many struggle with prosperity and wealth so much? It was all done on the cross for us. It's because people don't believe that financial provision was something that God promised to his children. They don't believe that. They think it's a heresy. Uh, that anybody would even think like that or believe like that, regardless of the nature of God that Jesus described was a giving, loving heavenly father who gives good gifts to those that ask him. So who knows, but I believe in it. It has to be baseline. And I want to get that out of the way first. If you're not tithing, you need to start. People say, "Well, I can't afford to, you can't afford not to I'd rather, I'd rather live on 90% blessed than hundred percent cursed. That's exactly. And, and let me tell you something. I've told you on this broadcast many times that if it came down to, we would eat dinner and breakfast tonight and tomorrow, or we could pay our tithes. Either my family will eat or we will pay our tithes. We would be fasting and the tithes would be given. You say, well, that's, that seems a little harsh. Yeah. But because God knows that's my heart, I will never be in that position ever Ever, we will always have far more than enough because God knows my heart and he, and he sees my actions, sees my faithfulness. My family and I would, would fast and we would give our tithes. That is absolutely what would take place. Number two, the first one, you've got to make, tithing's got to be instinctive. That'll take you out to that place where you start moving towards the overflow. But number two is, is a lesson I learned that is something Paul taught the church in Corinth. It'll help you as well. Second, uh, 2 Corinthians nine, a passage we're all familiar with as he's taking the offering for those other Christians that are not, uh, they don't have enough. They need, they are in need. And so he's taking uh, a collection or an offering for the Christians in Jerusalem and listen to what Paul, uh, teaches here. I love this. I'm going to start with verse six, second Corinthians nine and verse six. The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Now look at verse seven and get it in your spirit. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, pressure, manipulation. Why? For God loves A cheerful giver. I'm about to show you something that's going to help you. Whoever gives must do so. Look at this. As he's decided in his heart, not reluctantly, or under pressure by manipulation, under compulsion. So one of the things I changed in my life, and I'm going to tell you, I'm very transparent with you on this. Well, and I'll I'll get to that, uh, Yanil. I will get to that. But let me just say. When I got this revelation that the Apostle Paul's teaching by the Holy Ghost, I made up in my mind, and I've acted it out, if I'm ever in a place where I am feeling manipulated to give, if I am ever in a place where I feel under compulsion to give, that I'm being pressured, I don't give a cent, not a cent. And I'm going to tell you why, because it is a spiritual principle and it is something that will destroy your seed and your harvest. It'll destroy your seed and your harvest. I do not give anything if I feel like uh, I'm giving under pressure, manipulation. Shanda said, could you clarify compulsion verse, if you're in a service, then suddenly you feel led to give a big seed. Do you see the difference there, Shanda? You said... I'm in service and I feel led to give a big seed. Well, the Holy Spirit direction in your giving is very different than a person who's manipulating you to give or a person that's putting pressure on you to give. It's different. It's totally different. If the Holy Spirit is leading me to sow largely, you better believe I sow it. And we always do. And we have this year more than ever before. See, there's a difference between the Holy Spirit leading and a person carnally manipulating, a person carnally pressuring you to give. And let me tell you, there's a lot of pressure out there, a lot of pressure out there. People get into trouble and then they start pressuring people to give. That's why if you've ever watched this broadcast, I've never pressured anybody. If you feel to give you so I never get on here and talk about, oh, we're in need I need, some of y'all need, and and you would, you've never heard me and never will hear me reprimand you for whatever has been given. That's crazy. You're never going to hear me get on here. You call yourselves the victory tribe. And I've been looking at the giving. The giving's been poor. You need to get on here. And if you have, you know, you're never going to hear me do something like that. Never. Because your giving is between you and God. That's who it's between. You and God. That's it. It's between you and the Lord. It's not between you and me. It's between you and the Lord. And you never, and then on top of me never, rep, you know, sit, sitting around uh, blasting you for what, what's been being given, you're also never going to hear me get on here and say, I need people to step up and sow today we need, a, we need money to come. You're never going to hear that. You're never going to hear that. You're never going to hear me come on here from a place of lack and need me be like, I just need, I need, I need a hundred people to sow a hundred dollars. You're never going to hear me do that ever, ever. It's not going to happen. Now, I, there's been times where I've allowed you to hear what we're believing for. I've given you the vision. That's scriptural to make the vision known, write it, make it plain that they may run that read it. It's, it's scriptural to sow toward vision. And I'll present the vision to you, but let me tell you, you're never going to hear me get on here and you're never going to hear me like, if you don't give such and such today, this ministry is in danger of going under. It's not your ministry and it's not my ministry. It's the Lord's ministry. And so (laughs) let me just say something. He provides for his ministry. The Lord provides for his ministry. And so you're never going to hear me. Number one, pressure you or blast you for what's been given because it's between you and God. And so I've been to places, I'm telling you, I was in a service one time and this, this, uh, I was a guest at this place. I wasn't speaking. I was just attending on a vacation and I'm telling you, they went off. They had a guy come take the microphone and they went off during their offering. They were walking. Listen, you talk about pressuring people to give. They were walking through the crowd with the microphone. How much are you going to give? Like literally coming up in people's faces. How much are you going to give? Look, look at this. Oh, you can do, you can do more than that. Can't you? You can give more than that. Rewrite that check. Like, I'm not even joking you. This person went back where the children were. Okay. Pulled children out. And we're like, this kid, you're 11. How much are you going to give? How much you, that's all you got faith for? You better step it up. It's like, dude, for real. That's an 11 year old kid. And like literally went through the crowd asking, what are you going to give? What are you going to give? <laughs> yeah. And, and, and straight pressure, straight manipulation, straight manipulation, straight manipulation. And so I made it my mind based on what Paul taught here that we are not to give under compulsion, manipulation, pressure, depending on what translation you read it from. You're not to do that. You're not to give. Why? Now look at this. He tells us why we're not. What's the reason why? Because God loves a cheerful giver. Now look at this now. I never had seen this before. Uh, I'd never, ever, ever seen this. But when I read this in the New Living Translation, what Paul said was in quotation marks. And I thought, man, Paul is quoting something from the Old Testament. Now, if you're a student of the Bible, you'll know that the apostles uh, carried around a Greek version of the Old Testament. It's called the Septuagint. Maybe you've heard of that before. The Septuagint was just a Greek translation of the Hebrew Old Testament. A lot of times, we know this because when we look at their writings, their letters to the churches, the quotations of Old Testament scriptures that come through have been identified as Septuagint uh, quotations of the Old Testament. And the same thing is true here. He's quoting Proverbs chapter 22 and verse eight. However, you can see there's an additional line here in the Septuagint for Proverbs 22, eight. in the Greek version, you know what it says? This blew my mind. It says, God blesses a cheerful giver, but his worthless deeds will come to an end. God blesses a cheerful giver, but his worthless deeds will come to an end. You'll see that if you have a New Living Translation of the Bible, you'll see a footnote at 2 Corinthians 9, 7, and if you go down to the footnote, it'll say that there's an additional proverb, Proverbs 22:8, where Paul's quoting from the Septuagint here. Notice that. God blesses a cheerful giver, but... His worthless deeds. So, what are the worthless deeds? They are seeds sown, as Paul's warning, under pressure, manipulation, compulsion. No one's going to manipulate me out of money, and then all of a sudden I gave out of manipulation pressure, and it took the, the fact that I can't. Now there's no harvest to it. Your worthless deeds come to an end. There's no harvest to it. No harvest to it. And I'm not going to let my seeds turn into worthless deeds. I'm not going to let that happen. My seeds will not turn into worthless deeds. I'm not going to allow it to happen. I'm not going to allow it to happen. And so you've got to, uh, you've got to keep your eye on that. My wife and I, we've always made sure that when we sow, it's going to be from our own spirit, either the Holy Spirit's leading us to do something specific, or we've made a decision to do something large Because we feel our love for God, our covenant with God. It's not going to be pulled out of me by manipulation. It's not going to be pulled out of me by pressure. It's not happening because I'm not going to let my seeds turn into worthless deeds. It's not happening. And Paul was very, it's not Paul's opinion. If you understand the Bible, this is not Paul's opinion. This is the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He's giving us. This, the Holy Ghost is, all scripture breathed out by God, it's profitable. So I'm showing you something that helped me because there's plenty of people that have been manipulated out of an offering, manipulated out of a seed, you know, whatever. Don't allow yourself to be manipulated. Now, this doesn't mean you go around not giving anything. You still got to be a giver. Say, well, I feel like every time. You don't use that as an excuse to well, I feel like every time I'm in church, I feel pressure to give because they take an offering. You know, that, that's scriptural to take an offering. But I'm talking about people that get up and manipulate you to give, pressure you to give. It's between you and God. It's not between you and anybody else. And so we just straight up made up our minds. If we feel that, there ain't a cent going in. There's not a cent going in. And let me tell you something. I give largely, very, very largely, very largely. I want you to think about this. Think about how God increases you. This is just a testimony. I'm not giving you dollars and cents, but by doing our taxes, we know what we gave in 2019, the total for the whole year of what we gave. We gave one offering this year. One one offering that was half of everything that we gave in 2019. I want you to wrap your mind around that for a second. We gave one offering in 2021. That was half the total of everything we gave in 2019. That's how much God can increase you in 2 years. Mind blowing. Yeah, exactly, Caleb. If you give this sixty-three dollars seed, we can stay on television. Robert, the Septuagint's not going to do you much good unless you can read Greek, because it's Greek. I mean, you can Google it, but uh, unless you can read uh, Koine Greek, it's just going to—it's going to all be Greek to you. <laughs> but you can Google it and find it. You can. Uh, you, you can get it on Bible apps, like, uh, olive tree, Bible reader and stuff. I have a copy on my phone, but you know, it's, it's, it's Greek, you know, so that's, that's kind of where you're at with that, but it's important to know that it's important to know that that's what they were writing back. It helps you in your Bible study. And so I want to give this to you get it in your spirit, give by the leading of the Holy ghost, no new King James version is not the best. It's actually not close to the best, nor is the King James. I'd get something later, like the ESV, even the NASB. Something that was made with more, after more discoveries of manuscripts were were made. You know, you have something like the ESV is gonna have far more manuscript um, resource than the King James or the New King James, which was not a retranslation, it was just a, a, a revamping of the King James. I would use the ESV or the NASB if I were you. And so don't give under, under pressure manipulation. Number three, let me say this to you. When, when it comes to your offerings, this is going to help you. Helped us. Go to 2 Samuel chapter 24. Uh, King David knew something. He knew a secret about his giving that helped him. That helped him. Because he was getting ready to give us an offering, a sacrifice to God uh, to stay the plague and... He knew that he had to offer uh, a sacrifice or a sacrificial offering unto God and so when he comes to Arana uh, the the Jebusite uh, in order to get the land what he needed the cattle the land the threshing floor uh, Arana sees his king coming this is 2nd Samuel 24 starts with verse 18 to the end of the book and when Arana sees his king coming he says my king you can have anything you want of mine. Take the oxen, take the threshing floor, take all you need, you know, take all you need to build the altar, to give the sacrifice and all that. And uh, he said, no, now, I want you to get this. This is 2 Samuel 24, 24. He said, no, I will not take it from you, but I will buy it from you. This is a big lesson to learn. I'll not take it from you, but I will buy it from you. Why? Why will you, why will you buy it? Here's why I'll buy it because I, he said, I'll buy it for a price because I will not offer burnt offerings to the Lord, my God that cost me nothing. This is a huge, huge lesson that if people would learn this, their lives would go to a whole nother level, whole nother level. A whole nother level. You say, well, what's the what's the lesson? The lesson is this. Don't give God something that doesn't cost you anything. Don't give God something that means nothing to you. You see what I mean by that? Don't, don't give God something that to yourself is meaningless, right? So uh, you say, well, what's an example of that? Um, look at your gift. Look at your offering and then ask yourself, you know, as I'm giving this, as I'm sowing this, you know, do I even feel that this takes any faith to do? Because one of the things you'll learn is that as you keep on leveling up in the kingdom, as you keep on going higher in the kingdom, the same things you used to do won't take the same faith anymore because you're on a whole nother level. I've used the example before that when I was a kid, my mom would give me a dollar bill to go into children's church to give in the offering. And I'd have that dollar bill. And and one of the things that would be crazy is that back then, man, I felt so proud of the fact that I had paper money to give in the offering. All the other kids had changed. They may have quarters, pennies, dimes, whatever, but I had paper money. I knew even as a little kid that paper money meant more. And it was like, man, I was so excited to go into children's church and put that $1 bill in the offering. It just made me so happy to know I've got paper money. It was a lot to me back then as like a four or five year old kid, you know, you don't have money, you know, there's nobody that'll hire you, whatever. So you're, you're without a job on unemployment, you know, at four and five. And so I had, I had no money. And so to have, have paper money to put in the offering, it was like a big deal. And so I put it in. Well, you think about that, you know, and that's a, it's a real problem. Not when you're 30, not when you're 40, not when you're 25. If you're 17 years old and still giving God a dollar bill in the offering, that's a problem. That's a problem. Cause let me tell you something I've learned 17 year olds have money. My daughter's sitting back there has money and she's 11. She's got money. Maddie, can I borrow something for, for lunch? No? She's shaking her head no. That's why she's got money. She's got money. She just told me what her budget was for Christmas presents. And I'm thinking to myself, how you got money? She's got money. And, and so she, she's got it. She's got, and she's 11. So don't tell me 17-year-olds don't have money. But if you've got, and I know this about my daughter because we've trained our children to be givers. But my, my daughter gives largely at 11 years old. So if you're 17 and walking into church with a $1 bill in your fist to put in the offering plate, you've got a problem. And then certainly as you get older and have a job, you know, you can't give God something that means nothing to you and expect God to bless it. You can't give God something that means nothing to you and expect God to bless it. And that's what King David understood. He said, I will not give the Lord my God something that costs me nothing. And so the key, the key here is that God looks at your heart when your offerings are going out. He looks at your heart. Um, for example, I'll give you a story here. There was a story uh, in the gospels where Jesus is with his disciples and they're in the temple. And Jesus is, um, he's watching people give their offerings and all these rich men are coming down and casting their offering into the treasury. And then this woman who's a widow comes down and she puts her two mites into the offering. Jesus turns to his disciples and said, this woman has given more than all these men. And the disciples are blown away. They're like, Lord, are you seeing what they're giving? Like, are you seeing their offerings? And and, and Jesus said, yes, they gave, catch catch this now. They gave out of their abundance, but this woman gave all she had. This right here stirred me up because I learned a principle. It's another principle I learned is that uh, not just the principle I just gave you that what you give God has to mean something to you, but I learned now how God views your offerings. What a cool thing to be able to go behind the scenes and understand how God views and judges an offering. Isn't that amazing? This par this, not a parable, it's a story. This story from the New Testament shows us how God views and judges the seeds we sow. Well, how does he judge them? Well, apparently, according to the story, He doesn't judge them by total alone, by amount alone. He doesn't do that. So how does the Lord judge our seeds, judge our offerings? Apparently, according to Jesus, they are judged by the ratio of what you give to what you have left over. Apparently, that's how God views it. That's that's the point he's making about the woman. Yes, these rich men gave tons of money but compared to what they've got left, it's nothing. This woman, on the other hand, she didn't give the amount that they all gave, but she gave all she had, which means she's got nothing left over. So Jesus is saying that the way that I view people's gifts, the way that I view people's seeds, is not by the total amount, but by what they have left over. I always like to say this, imagine if two people are sitting next to each other in a church service and it's offering time and the, they both sow a $1,000 seed on the outside it looks like they both gave the same offering but in reality they did not both give the same offering because the one man has 1.3 million dollars in his accounts whereas the other man has $1,700 in the bank. Get that. The one man, $1.3 million. The other man, $1,700. Now you tell me that they both gave the same offering. (laughs) The same amount went on the envelope. The same amount went in the offering plate, but it was not the same offering. Because the one who had $1.3 million won't even feel that offering. Won't even feel it. But the one who's got 1700 in the bank gave more than half of his total gross worth. <laughs> I mean, you, you feel it when you got 1700 to your name and you give a thousand, you feel that thing. So what, what's the lesson here is that, uh, what you, what, what people feel, what means something to them is different for everybody. That's why you can never judge it on the outside. That's why you don't judge it on the outside. It means you don't, you don't judge somebody's seed by their seed because you don't know what they have. You don't know what they're going through. You don't know what they're dealing with. So you don't judge somebody's seed by their seed. And so uh, it, it, that's why you have to be introspective. It's different for everybody. This is what will break you into another level if you'll catch what I'm teaching right now. Yeah, that's right. A.J. Bible said Lester Summerall would say that God counts what you kept, not what you gave. That's exactly it. God counts, because see, he doesn't multiply what you keep. He multiplies what you sow. God has, God does not come in and multiply what's left over. That's not what you gave to him. He multiplies the seed sown. So that'd be like as stupid as a farmer going out and sowing half their seeds in the field and then expecting all the seeds in their barn to just grow and turn into crops. Doesn't work that way. And so one of the things that I try to get into people's spirits that'll bring you into the overflow is that when you start to know and start to understand that the seeds that you sow are important, it's always funny to me. If you do any kind of a broadcast on giving, tithing, sowing, the, the numbers drop dramatically. You know, it just, it just makes me laugh. Like <laughs> it shows that the people who are watching right now are the mature ones that are not clicking away because they feel conviction in their spirit about the fact that they've not been sowing like they should. It it always makes me laugh. It doesn't matter when you do it or what time of day or what month or whatever. doesn't matter. It all, you get on one topic and people start dropping like flies, baby. (laughs) They start dropping like flies, but that shows that the 80 of you or whatever's on right now in all platforms that you're the ones that can hear this message. And you're mature enough to receive it with joy. Well, look, tithing, manipulation, or under pressure, uh, we always tithe. I never give under manipulation or pressure. But number three, I'll also never give something that costs me nothing. I'm never going to give God. Can you imagine? Like, I know what I do for little kids on their birthday. There was a kid. We were just up in Massachusetts. And a little boy came up to the pastor and he had a $1 bill in his hand, this little boy. He was a little boy. And um, he walked up to the pastor and uh, he held, we were leaving and he held the $1 bill up to the pastor with both hands. And he wanted to give it to pastor. Thought it was the sweetest thing, he had had faith. And pastor reached out and took that $1 bill and he said, you know, that's a seed that you sowed and God's going to bless you for that. And something jumped in my spirit and the Lord said, show that little boy, what seed time and harvest is like, show that little boy, what seed time and harvest is like, and when he released that $1 into the pastor's hand, I know that meant something to that little boy, cause he was a little boy and it was, it was paper money. Like I was telling you earlier, and I went in and grabbed a $100 bill. And walked over and put that $100 bill in that little boy's hand. You should have seen his eyes. You should have seen that little boy's face. He was like, what? And he looked up at his mom. You know, you know it's, it's money that means something to kid. When he looks up at his mom, I'm like, should I even have this in my hands right now? <laughs> and he looked up at his mom and was like, What? But see, the Lord was showing him, wasn't me. The Lord spoke to me and said, show that little boy that seed time and harvest is real. And he, he handed that $1 bill. And then he looked at that 100, he said, what? Yeah, but you think to yourself now, it, it, it didn't, for me, now that meant something to the little boy, but that's something i just pull out and hand to him. Now, you can't tell me that at this place, That it's the same thing for when I stand in the house of God and I'm sowing into the offering. I cannot, at this point in my life, I cannot just give God a hundred dollars and expect it to move me. Because it doesn't move me. It doesn't move me. It doesn't move me. I'm just being very honest with you. You have to know where you're at with these numbers. You have to know. Because you have to know if, if you pull something out of your purse or if you write a check or if you put your offering down on an on envelope with your credit card or your debit card and you have to know when you write in that amount field, ask yourself, does this really move me? Does this move my faith? Does this really move my faith? You know, I, I thought of that because <laughs> I joke, people laugh at me, they make fun of me. But you know, I've, I've been through the Taco Bell drive through authentic Colombian food. I've been through the Taco Bell drive-thru by myself and placed an order that came between $50 and $60. I'm not ashamed to admit it. It's happened. I've spent $50 to $60 on tacos and quesadillas and quesaritos by myself. I've spent more than that with a friend who will remain nameless, but his name rhymes with Zach Ramsey. I I have done that. And, and then I think to myself, if I can just slide through, what's up, Dave? If I can just slide through the McDonald's drive-through with me and a friend or two and drop 70 dollars on tacos, is it really mean something to God if I come into his house and put a hundred dollar bill in the plate or put a hundred dollars on a debit card or put a hundred dollars on a check? I mean, I just spent 80 sliding through the drive through on tacos. So don't tell me that for me, it's a real sacrifice to sow $100 seed to the Lord. It's not a real sacrifice. If it was, I wouldn't be out there just flippantly dropping it on tacos in the drive through what I mean, so this is how I keep myself in check. I'm just showing you what brought me into the overflow. This is how I keep myself in check. I'm not going to go into the house of God and just flippantly give something to the Lord when I know in my heart, I know in my heart that, you know what, this really doesn't move me at all. It doesn't move me at all. AJ puts it a good way in the comments. He said, my tithe and offering will never be outdone by my lunch bill after church. Great way to look at it. My tithe and my offering will never be outdone by my lunch bill after church. And in fact, if you, if you remember what we were teaching uh, a few weeks ago, what do we have everybody put in the comments section, hashtag kingdom slice, that if we were to break our finances down at the end of the year and look at all the things our money went to throughout the year, mortgage, rent, car payment, insurances, you know, eating out, entertainment, whatever else, right, that the tithe and the offering would always make up the largest part of the pie chart. That slice of the pie, that's why we had that kingdom slice, that slice of the pie that goes to the kingdom will always be the biggest slice of the pie. That's my goal. That's my goal. Entertainment, vacations are not going to take up more than my kingdom slice. My mortgage payment over 12 months is not going to take up more than my kingdom slice. And it doesn't. My car payment is not going to take up more than my kingdom slice. My insurances are not going to take up more than my kingdom slice. My kingdom slice of the pie is going to be the biggest slice that leaves my house every single month without question. You know why? Because I've been introspective and I've given... I'm, I'm getting this realization, and I've had it for a while now, that God has to get my best. He has to get my best. It has to move me. My faith has to be in operation. When I give, my faith has to be in operation. I gotta sow a seed that means something. It means something. Let me move on to these last two, and I'll I've already given you like four, but let me give you two more um, that will help you. Number Number of, I don't know if this is five, six, whatever it is, but the next one, the the next one um, is giving with no expectation. That's a, that's a big mistake. So, you know, uh, our pastor, Bishop Rick Thomas, always real big on this. He said, well, people, people always come into church and say, well, I don't give to get. He said, oh, really you, you give, with no expectation to get anything back. That's how you live. What a, what a foolish way to live. Because think about this. You have to, if you have to give out the breath you have in your lungs just to get another breath into your lungs, anything you do, I have to give it out in order to take another one in. Oh, you give to get, if you really believe that, well, I don't give to get okay then go to your job this week and work 40 to 50 hours for your corporation. And when payday comes, go down to human resources and say, you know what? I just really wanted to sow my time into this corporation. I don't, I don't give my time to get anything from this corporation. I just, you know, I just wanted you to know that I so appreciate this company that I wanted to give my time away from my family for 50 hours this week. So you'd know I, no, you give to get, you give your time to get a paycheck, everything you do. I don't, yeah, I don't pray to get an answer. Can you imagine a farmer throwing all those seeds out into the field? Now we're not looking for a harvest. We just want to sow these seeds. No, you give to get. Of course you do because it's God's system. Remember this. This is not made up by some man who wanted to create a prosperity gospel. God is the one who set in place the system of seed time and harvest. As long as the earth remains, there'll be seed time and harvest. As long as the earth remains. So you're not making this up. It's God's own system. And he said, I want you to enter into it. I want you to enter into it. In fact, uh, go to Galatians chapter six. The reason I want to show you this is because if there's ever anybody that's out there that's like, well, you know, that was talking about the land producing. Yes. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. It was talking about natural land producing natural crops. Yes, it was. Genesis 8:22. as long as the earth remains, there'll be seed time. There'll be harvest. There'll be summer. There'll be winter. There'll be cold. There'll be heat. Yes, that is true. However, if we go to Galatians 6 and we read what Paul taught to the church in Galatia. One of the things you've got to see is that Paul is making a point about giving financially to those who teach the word of God. Look at his phrasing here. Galatians 6, 6. Look now. Let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Verse seven, do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever one sows, that will he also reap. Stop. What is the context in which Paul is talking about sowing and reaping? It's talking about giving offerings to those who teach the word of God and sharing all good things with them. And then he gives a promise. Don't be deceived. God's not mocked, whatever you sow, that will he also reap. Now, if we keep going, which I will in a minute, because I want you to see the rest of this context, but notice this, he's referring to financial giving as seed sowing. You see it. He's referring to financial giving as seed sowing. You move on further, he says Those the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. The one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Now look at verse 9, because we quote this verse all the time about a ton of other things. Let us not grow weary of doing good, or don't grow weary in well-doing. Why? For in due season we'll reap if we don't give up. Ah, so hold on. This doesn't just... Talk about everything specifically and in context, don't grow weary and well-doing is talking about financial giving. Don't grow weary and well-doing for if you continue, look at this. If you in due season, you'll reap if we do not give up, catch that man. Notice the context there. He's saying not only is you're giving a seed, but it produces a season of harvest. We will reap, we will reap, we will reap if we do not give up. So let me give you another one. Not only do we uh, give with an expectation to receive, and you better do that. L- literally, you better do that. Always give with an expectation to receive. Always, always. Don't ever give and say, well, I'll never see that again. Yeah, not with that attitude you won't. Give with an expectation to receive. Give with an expectation to receive. I'm sowing with an expectation of reaping a financial harvest. Nothing at all wrong with that. It's God's system. He, he set it up, but now look at this and this, this is going to help you. If we do not grow weary in well-doing, catch it. The Bible says we will reap if we do not give up. See that, you know what that speaks of? a continual process that means i'm not just giving once and then waiting for something to happen i'm staying consistent on my giving consistent on my giving consistent on my giving i'm giving all the time all the time all the time seed after seed after seed after seed after seed is going out seed after seed after seed yeah exactly robert robert said someone tried to tell me last week we should never give to receive and i disagree with them but they're older than me so i was trying to be respectful Just take them to the word because the word shows us that we give with an expectation to receive. How do you get around Luke chapter six, give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Will he cause men to give into your bosom? How do you get around that? If we're not supposed to expect to receive, why would he promise that if we give It'll be given unto us. Why would he say that if we don't grow weary in well-doing, if we continue to sow, if we faint not, then we'll reap in our due season. Why would we expect to reap if there's nothing about our seed that brings a harvest? Such a foolish train of thought. And you know what it is? It's religion and it's false humility. Well, I just give because I love God. Yeah, me too. I give because I love God and because I love him, he told me to expect a harvest from him. And I do always give, but those that are watching, I want you to pop it in the comments and don't forget it. Always give expecting to receive, always give expecting to receive always, always. And then let me give you this. Let me give you this next point here. Stay consistent. So continually, not just once a month, not just once a year. So continually. You know, week in, week out, you ought to be s- sewing, 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 sewing. You can get to the place where you're sewing something every day. Just sew and sew and sow and sow. You know what I'm saying? Always give, expecting to receive, and then always give. <laughs> always give, expecting to receive, and then always give. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Always give. That's right. That's right, Raul. And, and you see how it works. There's constant, constant harvest when there's constant sowing. How are we going to get, and it's Ellie, I see Ellie, not Eli. Here's the deal How are we ever going to get to that place in the scripture where the Bible says that we'll get to a place at one point where the plowman, will overtake the reaper. You see that, so the plowing and the reaping are actually happening at the same time. They're overlapping, they're overlapping. Bumper crop harvest, overlapping. The same time I'm reaping, right behind me, there's more sowing. Same, one hand's reaping, the other hand's sowing. One hand's reaping, the other hand's sowing. How are we gonna ever get to that if the consistency's not there? See, this this is the key. Consistent sowing. consistent How do I set myself up for consistent harvests? Consistent sowing. That's exactly how. By consistent sowing. You're going to get to the place where you don't have to worry about borrowing anything. You don't have to worry about uh, going in there and wondering if there's layaway payments or. You just pay cash because you've gotten so blessed. So blessed. <laughs> it's so supernatural. I can't, it's like, I can't even, I'm at the place now. It's so insane. I'll soap. I'll give to people. I'll, I'll cash out people. I'll give people cash. I'll PayPal people. And I can't even, I, it's like, I can't even give it away. I come back and all of a sudden there's three more cash apps that come into my cash app. And there's somebody sending PayPal and somebody's handing me cash. And it's like, I can't even, you can't outgive God. You can't out give God. It's like. The, 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 the harvest roll in so quickly, but it's because I've been so consistently sowing for so long. You just can't, it's like everywhere you go, something supernatural happens. Everywhere you go, something supernatural happens. Don't, and let, and let me give you this. Hmm. That's good. Raul. He said, if my hands are busy sowing, they won't be in a position of begging. That's exactly it. If my hands are busy sowing. They won't be in a position of begging. Never. It's not our portion to beg. I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging for bread. Never. Never. And I'm going to tell you, one of the things that's practical that we never did, there was a time, as I told you, when my wife and I were under that load of credit card debt and there was, you know, we were, we were in that place believing to be free and out of debt and being, and all that. Can I tell you a secret? We never once in all that, and and, and I'm all for the, I have every Dave Ramsey book I think that was ever written. I love listening to Dave Ramsey. Good guy. Great, great thoughts on finance. He's a very, very smart man and a Christian, which I appreciate. And he has biblical principles that everything's based on. And I understand his system very well. I've been inside and out of it. Uh, Total Money Makeover, Financial Peace University. I've been through all of it. I know it front and back. But one thing that I never, ever did, for example, if you're familiar with his system, uh, the baby steps that he set up to get people out of debt, uh, you know, you, you get into the debt snowball where you line up all your debts and then you find them lowest balance to highest balance and you begin to pay them off so that you can feel that momentum as you're getting out of debt and all that. But let me tell you, we didn't throw all of our extra money at debt. And I know there's people who say that's completely irresponsible, but let me tell you, we never stopped our tithing, but let me go a step further. We never stopped giving offerings in the time when we were getting out of debt. I felt like that, according to the scripture being my God, that that would have been the most foolish thing I could have done was to cut God off until my stuff was paid. I thought, what kind of a signal am I sending to God? They're like, I know, I believe you're my provider. I believe you're my, but you know what? I'm not gonna tithe and I'm not gonna give you anything until my own mistakes are cleared up (laughs) because that's really what it is, my own mistakes. That's the only way I ended up in credit card debt and there were some other things, obviously emergency things and all that, but let me just tell you, I'm not going to cut God off so that I can clean up my own mess. I said, Lord, you'll never be cut off. You're number one. You're before debt. You're before bills. You're before my own food. He's number one. And so my tithing was never cut off. My offerings were never cut off. You better believe that God got his portion first, first. And we didn't sow little, we sowed largely even at a time where we believed we'd get that. And God got us out so quick, so quick that I look back and just laugh now. I look back and I laugh at all that God's done. And now I start to look at it and say, look how quickly. You see, because my goals, see, here's what the heart does. My goals have gone away from harvests, even though I'm expecting harvests. My my new goals are sowing goals. I told you I changed my prayer life. My, My prayers used to be, oh Lord bless us this year like we've never been blessed. That's no longer my prayer. My prayer now is Lord let us sow the largest seeds that we've ever sown. Put the largest seeds in our hand that we've ever released. Let this year blow our minds in giving. Let this year blow our minds in giving, let this year be a year that when we go back and look at it, it will be so, it'll be a wonder. We won't be able to believe what you did. And let me tell you, that's, that's one thing that just this year going back and, uh, you know, looking at tax numbers and being like, hold on a second, hold on a second in 2019, we gave how much amazing. But are you telling me that in one offering, in one offering in 2021, we gave half of our annual total from two years ago? How is that possible? How is that possible? (laughs) I mean, like, how is that possible? It's because of God's increase. And that's why I changed up my prayer. I don't pray anymore. Oh, Lord, bless us like we've never been blessed, because one of the things that anyone who studies recognizes is that the blessing is based on our own obedience. It's based on our own faith. It's based on our own action steps in faith. And God, let me tell you something. He's answering my prayers. He's answering my wife's prayers. He's putting the largest seeds in our hands that we've ever sown ever. And I'm telling you, I'm just, I'm saying this part by faith. Cause I've not given anything close to this yet. But I will be, I will be giving a $1 million offering into the kingdom of God before this thing's over. I will sow a million dollars into the kingdom of God before this thing comes to an end. Because God knows my heart. He knows that I have a sower's heart and a sower's hand. That's a big difference. A sower's hand. That means it's not just in my heart. I actually do it. It's not just in my heart course Robert I actually do it and that's got to be the key tithing's instinctive never give under manipulation or pressure don't ever give god something that means nothing to you make sure it means something and moves your faith always put expectation always put expectation on your seeds and s- learn to sow consistently sow all the time Set a goal for yourself like we did. Lord, we're going to give you more this year than we ever have. But just to stretch our faith, we also want to sow the largest one-time offering that we've ever sown. The largest one-time offering that we've ever sown before. That's what we're believing for. That's what we're believing for. And so um, I want to see you in a place of so much abundance that you never ever feel the strain of financial lack, that you never ever know what it is to be without. You know, maybe, maybe that's something you came out of uh, not enough all the time. I'm praying that your children will never know what it is to be without. Your children will never know what it is to have to go back and say, Well, my friends have that stuff, but you know, my parents can't afford that. That'll never be the story. They'll never go without. Never. You will never know what it is to lack. For the Lord is your shepherd. You'll not lack any good thing. Hallelujah. Wow. Amazing, Robert. God's doing it. Be faithful to the Lord. Watch what he'll do. I want to pray for you. I'm going to pray that God brings that kind of swift blessing as you're sowing seed, swift blessing. Maybe you're watching me today and you're believing, maybe you're listening on the podcast. You're believing for credit card debt to be paid off. You're believing for homes to be paid off, or maybe you're in a rental and you're believing to get a home, a home that you own so that you're not the borrower, but that you're the lender. Maybe you're believing God will increase you and give you rental properties, whatever it might be. I'm believing with you that from this day forward, supernatural things are going to begin to happen. But I wanna pray for you today, because I'm believing that these last three months of 2021 are going to be filled with wonders, that stuff that's so big, nobody can explain it away. Nobody can explain it away. Caitlin said, home, believe for a home. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray right now that those that are watching, those that are listening, the faithful ones, the ones that will not go back on your word, they're tithers, they're givers, they're consistent, they're hungry, they're doing something that means something to them. I pray in Jesus name that you would open the windows of heaven over their life, pour out a blessing that they don't have room to contain in the mighty name of Jesus. I pray Lord that as we end this year in wonders, that their minds would be blown in the natural realm to see what you did for them in Jesus wonderful name. I pray for abundance. Let debts be paid off and canceled. Student loan debts, credit card debts, cars, homes, everything hanging over their head. Lord, bless your children. No matter what's going on in this world's economy, bless your children. In the wonderful name of Jesus, we thank you. We give you praise in Jesus' mighty name. Look at Sissy's testimony. We've got to give this testimony if you're listening or if you're watching on Facebook. Sissy said, just cut the check for a home. No financing that right there is God's ultimate desire that you pay cash. You don't have to borrow from any man. The Lord is your provider, the lender, not the borrower. I'm giving God praise with sissy right now. Hallelujah. Hold on. I'm doing a dance under the, I'm dancing for sissy under the table. Just gave him a praise break under the table, sissy. Amen. Amen. Listen, this is going to be a a year end filled with wonders. That's what my, and it already started. It's already started. And then 2021, what's our, what's our confession? Our confession is divine possession in 2021. My bishop spoke a word. I got it right in my spirit. Popped right in my spirit. He said, you better get ready. He said, you look, you get it in position. You're going to possess what you've never possessed. 2022 is going to be a year of divine possession. And we're taking ground. We're taking ground in Jesus' name. I'm going to encourage you today. Those are the faithful ones. The faithful ones stuck with me today. That's all right. I understand how it is in the body of Christ. I've preached for 20 some years. I understand. But I want to encourage you that are watching to sow a seed by faith today. You have been believing for big things. I'm believing with you. It comes through obedience to an instruction from the Holy Ghost. And that's what happens. That's what happens. You're sowing toward the future that God has planned for you. Increase, overflow, all the things that are trying to literally, and this is why the Bible says money answers all things. Because You can have the greatest heart in the world, you can have the best testimony, you can have all, but if you don't have the resources to carry out your vision, money's an answer to every single thing, everything. They they told us we were, they thought they were gonna price us out. My father went to hold a crusade in Atlanta, Georgia, and um, they thought they'd price us out. Oh sure, you can have the parking lot at at the field there uh, at the Atlanta Braves Stadium. You can have that to set up your uh, crusade, but it's going to cost you. And then they just dropped a number on us like they were going to try to price us out. (laughs) And my dad just basically said cash or check and paid it. You know why? Money answers all things. Money answers all things. And so I'm just telling you, the the devil don't want you to have the resources, but you will have them. You'll have more than enough to do what you're called to do. That's why you got to believe big, and that's why you got to sow big. Do what the Lord asks you to do. Those of you that are watching, uh, you can see on the screen, there are multiple ways you can sow. You can always go to MiracleWord.com. Those listening on the podcast, if you scroll up to the uh, description, there's links you can click to give. You can use PayPal, Cash App, Zelle, uh, cryptocurrency, hashtag donate, however you want to do it. Sow a seed by faith. Maybe you're considering partnering with us. Let me be the first to say it's a good move. And I don't say that because uh, this is the ministry that the Lord's given me. I say it because I understand how God works. And that all the things we're accomplishing, all the things we're doing, by the help of the Lord, I'm just telling you, it's a good move. I've seen so many testimonies. Do you realize that not only have we, I I don't even talk much about this, but do you know all of our programs have just been captioned. Burnt in captions so that we can now show them in greater Asia, 90 million more homes in portions of China, Iraq, Philippines, Pakistan, all these different places. And we've got salvation testimonies coming in from all over the world. We just expanded again. India, the whole, I mean, they told us now there's almost 1.2, 1.3 million people watching us at any given time. And God's doing it. God's doing it. And so I'm just blown away. I'm blown away. And you're a part of that as you sow. Much love, Jordan. Thank you. You're a part of that as you sow. Thank you, Dylan. And if you're considering partnering with us, go to MiracleWord.com, click the partner button, look at all that we're doing, fill out the form and be a part of what's going on with Miracle Word Ministries as we're touching the world. God is moving by his power. I love you guys. For this month of October, uh, we've got this book by uh, EW Kenyon, Jesus, the healer. And, uh, for those of you that are partnered with us, um, go to miraclewordcom forward slash offer, and you'll be able to fill out that form to get this. If you've sown $85 or more this month, it's our gift to you to say, thanks. Also, those of you that are sowing a thousand dollars or more, we're going to send you along with that. The, yeah, tear open the heavens. Um, we're going to send you along with that, the Life Application Study Bible, Genuine Leather. And for those that are sewing $5,000 or more, we have the Elite Study Pack available for you, uh, the best study resources I believe that you can have uh, as you're going through the Word of God, over 100,000 notes on the Bible. The Elite Study Collection is one of a kind. In a keepsake box, we put it all together for you, uh, it's for those that are sewing. or more, and uh, we want to say a big thank you to you. Today's the day, Wednesday. Carolyn is on at 2 o'clock p.m. You don't want to miss it. It's going to be a great one. She gave me a sneak peek about what she's talking about, and it's going to be a powerful day. Don't forget, Last Gen Podcast is now available for students on Spotify and Apple. You can go get it now. Search The Last Gen on podcast platform. And then you can always get it on our website, miracleword.com forward slash last gen. And it is awesome. First episode just dropped. Alex did it today. And uh, you're not going to want to miss it. It's really, really going to be great for students. Share it with everybody you know. We're going to show you the promo video on it one more time before we go today. I love you guys a lot. I'll be back with you in the morning. Carolyn's on it too. Have a great day. I'll talk to you soon.